Kiana, my dear um, colleague, shared with us that we are in the second week of the season of Lent, which is a 40-day season, 46 days if you count the Sundays from the time that we had Ash Wednesday to when we will have um, Easter Sunday. And one of the major guiding metaphors throughout the season of Lent is that of wilderness. In fact, the first uh, passage of scripture that typically marks the first Sunday of Lent, which my um, colleague Pastor Kiana preached on last week, is that of Jesus being thrust into the wilderness. So that's the guiding metaphor of wilderness. Now, it does not mean that during the season of Lent we find ourselves hiking or trekking through the woods. No. But instead, in our either shedding some things that no longer serve us or taking on some things that will help us to be whole, W-H-O-L-E, which is a reflection of holiness, H-O-L-I-N-E-S-S, we think about um, how the wilderness of our lives, the spiritual wilderness that we live in, the things that sometimes cause us to have to contend with challenges of, um, in our lives, um, that metaphor of wilderness feels incredibly apropos. But also with the wilderness uh, metaphor is that throughout the biblical tradition, God always provides for God's people in the wilderness. So the wilderness is not a barren or stark place. The wilderness is not a place that we even find ourselves to die. The wilderness is where God's glory is revealed. The wilderness is where we get to see that who God says God is, the God who will say, ask more of me and do not insult by asking too little of me, is a God who will provide. So this morning's Psalter, uh, which comes from Psalm 27, is actually appointed um, on the second Sunday of, of Lent. Um, it's not actually appointed for the particular um, lectionary cycle. You don't have to worry about that. But just in case any of your friends at work are like, oh, no, 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 my pastor preached on Psalm, da-da-da-da, you can just say Psalm 27 does still show up on the second Sunday of Lent. <laughs> you know my credibility, friends, my credibility. <laughs> But Psalm 27, which is um, ascribed or um, connected to, to David, a Psalm of David, is one that is so human, Some, one that reminds us of maybe how we feel when we find ourselves in spiritual wildernesses in our lives. Um, there will be a moment when I'm going to invite you to preach with me as I read the scripture. And so for those who may feel comfortable with that, um, I'll um, invite you into that moment. And the psalmist says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they shall stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me. Yet, will you say that with me? Yet, I will be confident. Hmm. One thing I asked of the Lord that will I seek after to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in God's temple. For God will hide me in God's shelter in the day of trouble. God will conceal me under the cover of God's tent. God will set me high on a rock. Now my head is lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in God's tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. 
Come, my heart says, seek God's face. Your face, Lord, do I seek. Do not hide from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not cast me off. Do not forsake me, O God of my salvation. If my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Do not give me up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they are breathing out violence. Hear verses 13 and 14. I believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. <laughs> Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Will you say this with me? Yet, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, friends, um, there was a time in my life when I used to be really big into CrossFit. It's a former life of mine now because my 47-year-old body is just like, mm -mm, I, we don't do that over here. I just can't do that anymore. But I will never forget, there was one particular uh, workout, which um, in CrossFit, typically you go through the workout before you actually do it, which gives you an opportunity to begin to like manage in your mind how you're going to try to survive the workout um, and think through the workout. And I'll never forget my coach, um, her name is Whitney at the time, said to us as she was walking through the workout for the day, there's going to come a moment in this particular workout when you're going to think you can't make it. She was like, I'm just going to go ahead and let you know now. There's going to come a moment in this workout when you're, you're not going to think you can make it. So my mind starts to think to myself, what am I going to tell myself when I get to this point in the workout when I think I'm going to die? Yeah. Now, I might think about how many reps. I might think about when I'm going to take some breaks, but Lisa's mind goes to, what am I going to tell myself when I get to that point in the workout when I think I am going to die? What is going to be the internal pep talk that I'm going to share with myself when I feel like I'm in the wilderness of this CrossFit workout? <laughs> because some of us have practice with pep talks when we're in wilderness moments. I don't know about you, but I know that I have practice with pep talks during wilderness moments. Because every day when we wake up, whether you've had to have a pep talk or not, we wake up to a world where we need to know deep within what we might need to say to ourselves when it feels like the world is coming for our lives, because it will. What do you say to yourself when your family member receives a diagnosis? What do you say to yourself when your relationship feels so fragile and you cannot breathe life into it? What do you say to yourself when you do not like your job but you're so strapped for resources that you cannot walk away from your job? What do you say when you wake up yet again and there's another hashtag name? What are you going to say to yourself when there are laws being passed that somehow seem to threaten your own personhood? What are you going to say to yourself when you find yourself in the midst of a wilderness moment in your your life. What do you say to yourself when you need your heart to be comforted? What do you say to yourself? 
when you're filled with dread? What do you say to yourself when you are afraid? Before you ever see or experience breakthrough, when the other shoe drops, when you are thrust into a spiritual wilderness, when you find yourself in a season of waiting, friends, what do you say to yourself? What is the song that gets you through? What is the word that becomes your own manna? What is the thing that helps you to cling with a life grip, not a death grip, to some semblance of hope in this world? What do you say to yourself? Yet, I am confident, the psalmist says. The psalmist, David, shows us a way. In the beginning of Psalm 27, the psalmist gives God credit and shares about God's credibility. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold, the one who keeps me safe. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now, here's the thing, though. Uh, Between that and then the end, which says, I believe this, that I will uh, find myself wrapped up in the goodness of God, and I will be in the land of the living. David answers David's question, whom shall I fear and of whom shall I be afraid? Talks about God's goodness and then says, I know I'm going to be in the land of the living where there is goodness. But David's also like, but let me go ahead and tell you, though, what I am fearing and what makes me afraid. When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, now they shall stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. So here's the thing. David is asking these questions because David has actually experienced adversaries, enemies, feeling as though everyone who is around and circling David is not for David's good, but is for David's downfall. And yet, David, who has every right to be fearful, and David, who has every right to be afraid, maybe as he is asking that question, whom shall I fear, and of what should I be afraid, he is trying to convince himself, I should not fear, and I should not be afraid, but I am fearful, and I am afraid. David responds Not with, I think my adversaries are going to take me down, and I think my enemies are going to triumph over me for all the days of my life, and I think I'm going to be in this downtrodden place for the rest of my life, and I think I'm going to be despairing for the rest of my life, which would have made sense. Which would have made sense. For David to go ahead and just say, let me tell you how the valley of the shadow of death is not going to be a place that I move through, but a place where I'm going to have to put, fill out a change of address form and live here forever. David, David could, have, could say, I have receipts for why I should feel like I cannot move out of this very despairing and difficult place. But instead, David comes with holy grammar, yet 
Though an enemy encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. And then David begins to speak of God almost as he is, uh, like, he, like David is uh, visualizing what I know God can do for me, what God has done for me. Yet I will be confident. I know what it is like to be in a very difficult place, yet I, yet I, I know these things. And then David begins to talk almost in a restorative way. One thing I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in God's temple, for God will hide me in God's shelter in the day of trouble. God will conceal me under the rock of God's tent. God will set me high on a rock. Now my head is lifted up. Now this is the thing, is that David's head might not have been lifted up in the moment, but, but David is talking about this is what, this is what my posture is going to be. Now my head is lifted up above all my enemies around me, and I will offer in God's tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. David speaks as though David knows what God will do. You know, some would say this is what's wrong with us Christians. Oh, and I get it, that the ways we talk about God is like a panacea, basically like a, a false way of soothing ourselves. And I get it. I actually understand the critique sometimes when we use like these really beautiful and lofty ways of talking about God, because some um, communities of faith have taken words about God and turned it into toxic positivity. Or we become too, too easily um, lean into dismissing the realities of people's very desperate situations. When folks who are hungry, when folks cannot pay bills, when you are trying to keep your life together, when you're screaming on the top of your lungs, ceasefire, when you feel like you are doing everything and nothing seems to move, to just say like a one-liner, a spiritual diatribe about what God's going to do can sometimes feel incredibly dismissive to the weight of the destruction in this world. So I get that. And, and, I will actually say that it's a moment of courage to speak of God in ways that you have not yet experienced but believe to be true. I don't want to dismiss that, how some of you do hold on with a life grip when the world comes with its death-dealing tools. How some of you guard your hope when everything around you is shaking. It's not like, just like, oh, God, da-da-da-da, like this, you know, ethereal language. There is something like you really do lean into a means of courage. Because trust and faith are not about feeling like everything's going to be okay. Trust and faith oftentimes are exercised when everything is not okay. When you hold on to God, when the outcomes feel so uncertain. When everything is bad and you will sing of the goodness of God, about who God says God is and what God can do. And it's not easy. 
That would be a pastoral misstep if I said it is so easy. It is not easy. But please know this, that trust is a practice. It's not a feeling. Trust is a practice. Trust is a practice. Trust is how we exercise and narrate our faith. Of things hoped for, even when we haven't seen them yet. Things prayed for, even when we haven't seen those things come to pass yet. Things held on to, even when we have not gotten to see them in our hands yet things lived for, even when we have not experienced those things, yet things believed on, even when we haven't seen the promises fulfilled, yet. Because there is this goodness of our faith that nourishes us, that gives us just enough to put our feet in front of the other, to believe that maybe not yet, doesn't mean not ever. So I might remind you that some of you actually have your pep talk words. What almost took you out last year? But I'm here. What do you think you would never have that you have now? Pep talk. What can you hold on to now that you didn't think was in your grasp last year? Pep talk. What is the way in which you are now encouraging others when someone was encouraging you? Pep talk. What's the thing that you now hold in your hands or you treasure in your heart now that you did not have before? Pep talk. I didn't have it and I have it now. I didn't feel it, but I feel it now. They didn't believe it, but I believe it now. Pep talk. What do you say to yourself in the wilderness? when you think you are going to die. Yes. Yet, <laughs> yet, and some are going to call us foolish. It's okay, because you look good. Because <laughs> maybe in what looks like foolishness, you will actually exercise faithfulness. Yes. Yet. Yet, 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 I love when I sit with some of you and you could not believe something for your lives and then we get to celebrate it. Almost every time that we do an infant baptism, almost always there's some story that first started with loss and then we get to celebrate together. They will call you foolish, that's okay. So what are you waiting for, friends? What are you hoping for? What does your wilderness look like? What do you need to tell yourself? I'm alone, but the Lord is my friend. I feel so uneasy, but the Lord is my stronghold. I feel unsafe at times, but the Lord is my protector. I need clarity in my life. Oh, the Lord is my guide. 
hear these words. May you believe that you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And we together will wait for the Lord. And you might think you are so feeble, oh, but be strong. And let your hearts take courage. Hear that, let your heart take on courage as you wait for the Lord. And as you wait, hype yourself up. <laughs> and give yourself your holy pep talk. Yet, I will be confident of this. May it be so. In the name of the one who creates, redeems, and sustains. Amen. Amen.